Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to the podcast and hopefully welcome back because this is a follow-up episode, which is great on its own. But if you want to go back to a August 2018 episode with our same guest, Andrea Sertash, this is the second half of a very happy ending and developments of lots of excitement and importance. It's crazy that it's been two years, right? (laughs) But I'm Ellen Trackman uh, here with Jennifer White. Jennifer Um, White. Before we go into the interview, Jen, um, one, will COVID ever end? And two, if when it does, where is the first place you'd want to travel? Okay. I do not own a crystal ball, so I will not even venture to answer if COVID will ever end. (laughs) Uh, But if it gets to the point where we can travel again, uh, Ryan and I keep talking about just trying to take some kind of trip to somewhere vaguely tropical. Um, Because, you know, just actually more just get the two of us away because we haven't been away in a long time and we've moved and we have a lot of stressors in our life and things like that. So that was our our hope. But we we have daydreamed slightly about it, but with no actual real plans because we don't figure it's going to happen anytime soon. What about you? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think <laughs> there's an end one day. I mean, there was, I had so much travel planned before all of this happened. I think March and April before I had a number of trips and one, I was so excited that you were coming with me to go to China and go to Taiwan. And I was very excited about that. So um, I would love to actually make that happen. Although we were speaking at this great conference. Um, so who knows, maybe one day we'll go to Taiwan and stop by and walk the Great Wall. Um, yeah. But okay, we can talk more in a sometime period about our happy endings of actually doing this travel. In the meantime, we get to tell a different happy ending. Welcome, Andrea Sertash, back to the show. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm so happy to be back. And before we dive in, I want everyone to take a pause, go back and listen to season three, episode one from August 2018, our previous interview with Andrea Sertash, if you have a chance. But in case you uh, need a refresher, we had a great chance to talk to her two years ago about starting Pregnantish, which is an amazing resource, as well as her own personal story of infertility. And I mean, it was a lot, I mean, you, as you remember, you've been through so much and it was so much the details of surgery and failed IVF and doing shots between like going on Good Morning America and Oprah. Like, and the public eye. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. But when we <laughs> left off, you were still in it. Like there was, you, you know, you hadn't reached the, the end or success. Um, so we're very excited two years later to bring you back and pick up where we left off on your personal story, as well as where we left off on what Pregnatish is doing these days. So let's start with your personal story. Um, what happened two years ago in your IVF and fertility journey? Wow, it's it's really <laughs> amazing to, to hear this update because I was in such a different place when we spoke last. But um, the long story short from the last podcast, I probably shared my pain of um, just finally learning from a reproductive endocrinologist. My best chance at meeting my baby would be 
not using my body or uterus anymore. So we knew we had genetically now called PGTA testing. Uh, it used to be called PGS tested. Or, or PGD. Embryos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. PG, yeah, all the acronyms in this whole category are so confusing. Ew, right. But uh, we, we knew that we had, uh, back in 2017, a doctor said, test your embryos. We had healthy ones. And at that point, he said, don't use your body and look for a gestational carrier. How did and, you uh, react to that? Or how did you feel about that? That's, a big, felt, that's big news. It was big news. It was, both, um, it was both upsetting and exciting, like so many things in this journey. Sure. It was upsetting because I had always imagined carrying a pregnancy. I had been pregnant and lost pregnancies. So I was excited to experience a pregnancy to term and deliver mm-hmm. a baby. And um, I had even taken, I remember, um, I take Brooklyn Bridge walks all the time. And I had taken a photo years ago of a bumps ahead sign thinking that would be a cute announcement. I mean, I really, <laughs> I really felt, well, little did I know, ha ha ha, that was in year one of trying probably, but little did I know that, that I wouldn't carry. So there was, there's mourning and grief attached to that, but there was also comfort and relief attached to that because hearing from my doctor, you have a really good chance with healthy embryos of meeting a baby now. Um, and I think the number he gave my husband and I were, it was something like an 80 per 80 or 90% chance of meeting your baby now versus every time I went through IVF or IUIs, it was always so low in terms yeah. of what 80 or 90. That's great. That's yeah. It was sounded like winning the lottery. I was like, okay, sign me up. You know, little <laughs> did I know how difficult the process would be from there. And you, you guys are well aware of the nuances of, surrogacy and uh, and how beautiful it can be, but how it's not just, quote unquote, getting a surrogate. And one it is thing not that, the easy road, for sure. No, not the easy road, not the cheap road, frankly, and not no. the, not the um, people, people told me a lot of the time when I said we need a gestational carrier, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. And I, and I tell, I think people mean well when they give advice, but that's, that's a really hard thing to hear when you've tried to carry for many, many years and failed. Uh, It's not the best thing to say to someone. So that's one of those examples of advice that people give you that they think is helpful and that they don't realize how kick in the teeth hurtful mm -hmm. it it can be. 100%. And, and, and just, and using the word just uh, attached to adoption, surrogacy, or any step is also problematic. Um, but, you know, it ended up being a great blessing. So to, it's such a long story short. Talk about a long story short. In year, when I spoke to you, so in 2018, I don't know even what year that was of trying to conceive, but my cousin, <laughs> yeah, seriously, you lose track. My cousin um, texted me, how's, how's everything going? Happy New Year. It was January. And I said, do you want to know the truth? Not, not well. Um, and I explained what was happening and how we just haven't had luck finding a good gestational carrier. And it, it goes to show you how much you need a really solid agency, by the way, and lawyers and all of that. Um, we had just had, we were kind of in with the wrong people. And I, and I was just losing so much faith and hope. And my cousin texted me after hearing this, have you ever thought of a family member to carry your embryo. And I was like shaking and crying so much because I would never have asked her or anyone to carry for me. 
but I kind of knew at that point, this is it. Like we are going to meet this baby. And now Aww. I have an 18 month old. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> who's, also, who's, also, who's also a four year old because the embryo was created in 2016. Uh, right. <laughs> How many birthdays do you celebrate every year? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I feel like I celebrate her every day and I don't know if the novelty will go away, but so far I'm still in shock. Um, but she, yeah, my cousin, my cousin who's fertile Myrtle, like basically said, yeah, I'll do it between pregnancies. I want to have another kid. She already has oh, two. Wow. And I, you know, it would be great. I'd love to do this for you. And it would be great to do it, um, you know, to do the transfer in the spring, maybe have the baby in the winter. And I said, ha, 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 Alana, that's not how <laughs> fertility works. And sure right. enough, everything she wanted happened because her body lined up perfectly wow. with everything. Oh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> so like, she for said, me, yeah, it does. Yeah. She said, see, I told you, I told you that. Uh. But, you know, I, I was used to being pregnant-ish for seven years at that point and uh, nothing ever lining up. And when we go to the, for, for the checkups when she was pregnant or even before the transfer, everyone looking at her uterus called it beautiful. And I was like, oh, I have oh. never... I've never been told to have a no, beautiful uterus. Nobody's talking about my uterus. Hey, hey I'm right my here. Uterus, my uterus has still, I uh, was told by an OB recently, still in my body, I have an almost 20 week old pregnancy in the form of fibroid tumor. Oh. I had had the open stomach oh. surgery in 2012, hoping it would increase my chances of uh, pregnancy. I have some endometriosis, but the fibroids grew back bigger than ever. And oh, I am no. carrying, how cruel is it that they call yeah. fibroid tumors, uh, they, they frame it in terms of how pregnant you are. So I'm, preg I'm pregnant finally with a almost 20 week old, uh, hopefully benign tumor. Yeah. So anyway, it's, that's, that's the, I'm still infertile, but I have a baby. So that's kind of the, the big update. I think that's hilarious that you refer to her actually being like four because of the embryo. Mm -hmm. I think that when she's like 13, she needs to go try to get her license and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Look, I was created on this date. <laughs> totally. Well, and and I think, I don't know, if you met her, a lot of people think she's older. She really, since she was a newborn, seems to really stare into people's eyes and her focus is, mm -hmm. I mean, she's still toddlery, but... She, she seems older sometimes. So I always wonder what happened when you were cryopreserved? Like, right. Like, and, and whenever people say to me, she's relaxed and chill, I say it's because she was frozen. Um, <laughs> so she, that is hilarious. I've never heard it that way. Yeah. So I just think it's a fun, I ended up having a fun kind of Hollywood ending. But when we spoke, I didn't know my ending. And when I launched Pregnantish, I certainly didn't know my ending. So, did you, in your story, just to kind of go through with your cousin? So, she was in, where was she? Good question. So, we are, yeah. this is the weird twist. We are both from Toronto, Canada originally, but we both live in the tri state area for some reason. So, I live in Brooklyn, New York, and she lives in New Jersey. Now, as you and your listeners may know, the surrogacy laws are different state by state. And um, I was told when we needed a GC, a gestational carrier, New York, you can't do it in New York. 
which I was like, say what? <laughs> like, right. like Did the laws change? Yeah, it has. And I was I mean, one of the, in a few months. Yeah, Six exactly. Months and I, I've been with uh, advocating with Resolve for years to, as Thank you guys you. have, yeah, um, to change this archaic law. But um, at the time, it wasn't. And in New Jersey, as you know, there, there were good, better things in place for the IPs mm-hmm. and the surrogates. Um, so it was just a weird stroke of luck or meant to be that she lived in New Jersey. Um, she, you know, there's another layer that we could spend three hours on, which I know we don't have all this time in the podcast, but it's, it's, it's a really interesting story, I think also because, and by the way, it's, it's on people.com and you can read about it more deeply in in the media. And we'll we'll link to it. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Just because, just so I don't uh, talk your ear off about it, but what was really, I think, um, interesting about her offer is that one of the things she said to me when she offered is, let me try to help rebuild our family because my father and her father lost so much family in the Holocaust. Um, My dad was born as a baby in hiding in Hungary. Um, Her dad, who's a little younger, was born after the war, but nevertheless, they spent their childhood. I mean, they really were looking, their grandparents were killed. They they lost a lot of people. And um, my cousin felt a calling. She felt like uh, she's a surtash too. <laughs> and she just felt like I, I, my pregnancies, I have a good experience as a pregnant person. It's not hard for me. I mean, listen, she's superwoman. She runs daycares. She has two kids. It's not like she has nothing to do, but she's just a very strong, healthy, wonderful person. And she never complained, never asked for anything. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better um, partner to bring Ariel into this world. Wow. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you about that transition to being a parent after being in the infertility space for so long? We've talked to others who feel like they suffer from survivor's guilt or that actually can be really hard um, to really just enjoy having a child after you've gone through so much. How did, I, how did I, you yeah. feel, especially because you were so in it still with Pregnantish? Well, I, I really am still in it. That's true. But I, I've had a different experience. And I think, you know, I'm a relationships author and I've always said what's normal in a relationship is what's normal to the people in the relationship. And that includes the relationship with yourself. So if your experience is that, that's totally valid. But I've had a very different experience parenting after that parenting after eight years to parenthood and so much loss and so much pain has given me the greatest gift of presence with my baby. I mean, there are times I want to rip my hair out. So it's not like I'm always oh, Mary Poppins here, but, <laughs> but like I am so grateful and I am so in shock. And so my husband and I are constantly amazed that this person is ours. So it's, it's, it has. I don't have survivor's guilt, maybe because um, this is a weird way to say it, but I went through not more or worse than my readers, but just longer than some people. I know because we've done the research of how long people do IVF. Um, yeah. I did more than the average person. What's so the average? I'm the, curious. The average, what is that? Uh, the average that we've seen in our recent surveys that we've done is people try to conceive for three to four years in our patient group um, and go through 
you know, IV, actual IVF procedures, usually for one to three years. I mean, it varies, but that's kind of where it lands for a lot of our readers. You know, we certainly also serve people who have been on this journey for longer than five years, even longer than I have, no question. Um, but I'm still very connected to the community uh, through Pregnanish, and I think that's allowed me to still be in it with them and kind of live this parallel life. I don't bring Ariel into Pregnanish very much at all. On my personal channels, I do more, but on Pregnanish, I, I don't. So I keep it very separate. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I'm still infertile. <laughs> so that, that has not changed, even though I, I am walking a toddler around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know Pregnantish has been, has had so much success and there's so many great projects and so many great resources. Can you tell us about some of the, the latest and greatest uh, that you guys are doing? Oh, sure. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm really excited. In general, we've grown a lot in terms of our audience and our content. Um, just quick headlines. And in terms of our content, we've published over 50 writers. We have a very dynamic video production division of Emmy and Oscar winning uh, you know, broadcast, our broadcast chops are pretty good because we're a media company. Um, so that's grown, that division's grown. We have a podcast called the Pregnish Podcast and that's telling the Ooh, story. Another of, good podcast oh, for those podcast yeah, listeners. Check it and, out. And your, your podcast is great and and there are a lot of great fertility themed podcasts. Ours is a little different uh, in that we focus on Paths to Parenthood that where people who defied the odds became parents. And we tell almost stranger than fiction, you know, sci-fi meets Hallmark stories mm-hmm. of, um, awesome. of parenthood. So the upcoming episode, which will be live by the time this posts, is a uh, 29-year-old woman who needed a gestational carrier and her 51-year-old mother stepped up to the plate and uh, they, they are a modern family story galore. We've interviewed one of the country's first uterine transplants. We've interviewed, oh, uh, yeah, great. it's awesome. And we, we've interviewed, uh, we had two perspectives on egg donation recently on the podcast where we interviewed a former egg donor who may need an egg donor, which was a twist. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, 10 years later, and we interviewed someone who used an egg donor and how she wishes she considered it earlier. So it was a really, there, I hope a really inspiring, but really interesting storytelling. So, so yeah, Pregnantish has been awesome in terms of our content. And then in terms of our development, um, another big kind of headline, I think, is we're launching something this fall, 2020, where we are bringing the patient's voice to over 1,600 healthcare providers in a program called Real Talk, real talk about why I left my fertility clinic. And what what this is based on is last year in 2019, Pregnish ran a survey where we pulled almost 1,100 patients on why they left a fertility doctor because we we knew we are, on uh, Pregnish, we're friends with all sides, you know, the healthcare providers, the agencies, the industry is our friend and the patient consumers are our friends and we're all in it together. And it just felt like, well, why aren't we communicating about what, you know, this pain point is? Yeah. How did you find? How did you find eleven hundred people who had left their fertility clinic? That's amazing. That's a lot that's of people. Amazing, right? Like, I'm not happy with my it clinic. is. 
It is a lot of people. Uh, we So this is, the I think, a really cool part of the program. We engaged uh, 40 infertility influencers who are in our network. Our network's called Pregnish Verified. You could go to pregnishverified.com to learn more about this program. Um, we, we surveyed them. Um, we just said, tell, tell your followers uh, if you think this is important and they want to share feedback because what was happening, I should tie it together to the, this. What was happening is I, I was getting weekly emails from patients. I want to switch clinics. Where should I go? And I'd say, why? What's the problem? Have you told the clinic the problem? No, I don't want to talk about it, but I want to tell you. And I thought, okay, <laughs> we need to, we need to bring this to a larger patient population. And they are itching to share this pain point, this feedback. And at the same time, the clinics we've worked with, we've worked with great doctors and great clinics on our panels and programs, uh, also want to hear it. You know, it, it felt like we should get this feedback. So I applied for grants through EMD Serono and Cooper Surgical to be able to actually do this program. I then hired data scientists. I, I wrote the report with a professional editor. We have an advisory board of top doctors um, consulting on the report. So it's not just Yes, it's the patient's voice being reflected in the report for the doctors, but we had, you know, top REs reviewing it to make sure we could communicate most effectively with other healthcare providers. And uh, hopefully we'll save future patients. So we much really want to save future <laughs> patients and we want to save practices from losing uh, patients they don't need to lose because of simple yeah. relationship issues. Can, so, can yeah. you share anything surprising that you found in that survey? Sure. Well, um, one thing that I found surprising, I, I kind of knew it because I'm a relationships author, and yet mm -hmm. I couldn't believe how far down, quote unquote, success was to why someone left or stayed. So I kind of thought it would be at the top. Oh, like, oh, I, had a, I didn't have a good IVF cycle. I'm going to try something new. Of course, that scored in our survey. That was, I think, number four or five as the, the reason. But the top, the top, top were relational. I, uh, that fits my anecdotal story, right? That yeah. 100%, I tell people when they ask me for advice on picking a clinic, I'm like, well, you know, you can look at the results and whittle it down, but see how they make you feel, how their staff makes you feel. I was like, especially their back office staff, because that's who you're going to be dealing with the most, you know, scheduling appointments, nurses, things like that, because that's where you're going to hit your frustration points. So I, I love that, like, backed up my anecdotal feeling about how, <laughs> how to pick a good clinic. So, uh yeah, I you know it's it your anecdotal ev evidence is completely right, completely on point. The way a clinic makes you feel is more important than many realize in terms of patient retention. And actually, the average survey participant in our survey it was nationwide; all the states represented except for one. And it was I'm, I apologize, I don't remember which one, but it was a pretty small state and it was random. I was like, I guess we have no followers there. Um, <laughs> but, but we had every state represented. We had geographic diversity. We had racial diversity. And the average age of the survey taker was 33 years old. So it's truly the voice of today's millennial patient. And uh, the doctors like Dr. Eric Foreman from Columbia University and Dr. Eve Feinberg. Another interesting part of the program, which I didn't mention, is that we are training 25 top 
REs across the country to be speakers of this program. So Mm. it's truly a national effort where the patients and providers are in it together. Um, So it's not just pregnant-ish complaining, you doctors do (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and we've gotten such great feedback from the doctors we train. We have like Dr. Cindy Duke, Dr. Serena Chen, these great doctors, Dr. Amy, uh, and they're all saying, you know, we wish we were taught this in medical school. Like this is a really important program. Some of the doctors involved in, in our program, so like Dr. Eve Feinberg from Northwestern and Dr. Eric Foreman from Columbia, have said uh, this is a great program for our fellows, you know, to to learn about. So we we are really excited about it. We trained. We're actually in the process now of training twenty five amazing REs uh, to lead this program nationwide and. It's, it's going to be super cool. So look out for that. It's the Pregnancy Verified Network and it's a program launching this fall. And uh, that, those are kind of big headlines from, I think, from Pregnantish lately since we've spoken anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. So I would love to hear how you guys have adjusted given the new situation of the pandemics. I know you have so many resources that are remote, but you did used to have in-person events. Yes, actually, in-person events were core to our model. Um, every four to six weeks around the country, we had live events. They became very popular, a big part of Pregnantish. Um, and like many businesses, we just had to pivot. We are a digital media company, so we still do digital content. Every week, we have new articles and videos and content. Um, but our live programs have shifted one thing that's coming up this fall is I'm starting a new channel on a platform called Boon, B-O-O-N. And Boon is European, and they've invited me to host a fertility-themed uh, show. And what, I, what I've liked to do on that platform is bring the panels that I had live to this format for a more global audience. Of course, Americans can join as well. But uh, we will transition to do that. And then as soon as we're able to do live again, I hope we, we can. We, we also hold retreats. We do all kinds of things live. So it's been, you know, it's been a big adjustment. But we're, we're not alone in that. Everyone's had to realign and strategize based on um, COVID. And the, the patients we're serving are certainly also affected by this chapter. So everybody is, so... Yeah. So what can listeners now kind of focus on with Pregnantish and how can they support you guys and the movement generally? Thank you. Well, just um, my goal is to support them as much as possible. So just follow us on any of our platforms. We're always at Pregnantish. On on Twitter, it's Pregnantish Mag, but everywhere else we're at Pregnantish and we publish, we have a great community. We, We are um, reaching 200,000 people a week on Instagram alone. I just saw wow. my metrics yesterday. I was like, say what? Uh, <laughs> but that's how active, just to say, that's how active our channel is in terms of people's conversations and engagement. And so you, you will be well supported if you join us on our social networks, on our site, pregnantish.com. And then of course, I hope us uh, subscribe to our, our podcast, Pregnantish or when we are on Boone, look out for my channel, Andrea mm-hmm. Sirtash. And I think that's the best way. But 
more than anything, the best way to support us is for me to continue to support you. <laughs> um, and really, because yeah. that's the goal of Pregnantish. It's, it's to elevate the conversation around infertility, which you guys do really well as well. And also to, um, to make this process less dizzying and make this process navigating it, um, more supportive. So everything we do will be to that end by, by hopefully offering the best quality content and events we can. Well, I know for I, for one, am excited to see the survey results and that report, as well as hear your future podcast, and then hopefully come in person to one of the yeah, events that would be you know, awesome. in the future one yes. day when we yes. can gather in person again. Um, but this is great. Anything else um, exciting about pregnancy or anything else you want to share before we go? Thank you. COVID relationship tips. <laughs> well, I do, I do have those. I've done many segments on that. I'm sure you have. have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I, I will say one thing about COVID for people still cycling, you know, through treatments, whether that's uh, intended parents, surrogates, people doing IVF, people doing IUI, trying to conceive, all of that. It is, it has put a weird wrench in a lot of people's plans. And I always say nothing. Like it's just helpful when you're on this path to remember there's a lot of ish on the path to parenthood. It, nothing is linear. Nothing. <laughs> like, like it's, it's as if you haven't had enough twists and turns to get to where you are now. This is just one more of those things. But, you know, there's, Obviously, the ish can be very nerve-wracking because it's not clear, but there's also a lot of opportunity um, when there are twists and turns, we have new doors open sometimes. So just be open to that. What, things we never expected, blessings we never expected may also show up. But I just feel for all people going through any kind of fertility treatments now, whatever stage they're at, whatever role they're in, I j it's just a hard time. Um, so I, I'm thinking of everyone. Wow. Well, we are so appreciative for you and all you do and your team and those supporting Pregnantish. We think it's amazing. And we are so, so, so happy to get to share this second chapter of your story. <laughs> awesome it's update. An amazing chapter. I feel like, you know, with Hamilton, it's like the first one's like really <laughs> optimistic and happy and the second, you know, half is like kind of a bummer and yours is like the opposite <laughs> of Hamilton, but like for the end. A Tony as well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, I couldn't have written it better. I, um, I'm very grateful to the fertility industry. Let's just say that. So it's, it, I grew my family through, through it and I uh, will forever be grateful, but it was so nice to chat with you guys. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully there's a live event soon where we can actually um, meet again. So that would be awesome. We look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea, and for all of those at Pregnantish. And I know in the intro I started talking, I was talking about a happy ending, but really I feel like happy next chapter. because I feel right. like there's many happy chapters to come. Yes. Uh, and speaking of next chapters, no, didn't work. No, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, we the still next always. chapter of your day is going to read us on and iTunes. leaving us a review. There we go. Or mm-hmm. giving Thank us you. a call at 303-997-1903 and leaving us a message and just saying hello. If you like us, if you don't like us, we're, we're okay. <laughs> we're open to all feedback. We, we like growth mindsets in our lives. Um, but a huge thank you to everybody on our team that makes us look and sound good, to Amanda, to Tyler, to Chris at Work at Beard Studios. And of course, thank you to you for listening and being with us. Thanks. Thanks.